Is it possible that something from seven or eight hundred years ago has something to teach us today? Stay tuned. Hello friends, it's good to be with you. As always, thank you for taking a little time to be with me today. In the last week or two, I've talked a little bit about a gentleman who lived in the uh, 13th century named St. Thomas Aquinas. And I have been reading uh, a fair amount about him, including an old book in my library by a gentleman named Joseph Pieper, I believe is how you say his name, P-I-E-P-E-R, which is simply called A Guide to St. Thomas Aquinas. And there are a few pages in that book which when I came back to them, I thought, you know, maybe this has something to teach us today. And if you're thinking, boy, I don't know, Tim, someone from the 13th century, I can't imagine possibly what they would have to teach me in the 21st, just be patient. Um, and I'm actually gonna read a couple of very brief passages here um, to make this point. And I guess I'll preface it by saying one of the dynamics of the writings of Thomas Aquinas. And he's always someone, he's a teacher fundamentally. He was a, a priest, but he was interested in teaching. He was one of the early professors at the new idea of this university. He taught uh, a good portion of his time at the University of Paris, which is one of the earliest universities in the Western world. And all of his writing is informed by what was going on in that time, which had to do with how do you conduct a debate or a dispute, or how do you have a dialogue with someone to get at the truth? And so his writing is informed by the fact that that was a part of the university culture. And what he'll very often do in his writing is he'll ask a question, a basic question, does God exist? And before he gets to his answer to that question, he will first state opposing answers. Now, let me just read a couple of, of comments about that practice and how powerfully and how well he does that. Uh, for example, um, an unsuspecting reader reading St. Thomas Aquinas um, may read whole pages containing nothing but opposing arguments formulated in a highly convincing manner. That's one. Um, it's second short passage. We are so little prepared for this because of the way polemics in our own time works um, that frequently the opposing arguments have been ascribed to St. Thomas himself. That's a second short passage. Um, and then the one that sort of sums this up before I get to another point, Thomas succeeds not only in presenting the oppo opponent's a divergent or opposed opinion, flatly opposed opinion, to the one that Thomas is going to come to himself, but many times in presenting it better, more clearly, and more convincingly than the opponent himself might be able to do. Now, why is that? <clears throat> it's because this understanding of getting at the truth through dialogue meant that people who were engaged in that practice knew that first, before speaking, they had to listen. Again, here's a quote about that. Um, uh, this process must necessarily affect the mode of listening as well as the mode of speaking. Dialogue does not mean only that people talk to one another, but also that they listen to one another. And the final kind of couple things I want to lift up in this brief uh, reflection was this. One of the actual rules 
you were disallowed to participate if you didn't follow this rule. One of the actual rules was this. No one was permitted, again, this is in a dispute or a dialogue or it's called a disputation. No one was permitted to answer directly to the opponent's objection. Rather, and this informs everything I just read, he or she must first repeat the opposing objection in his own words, thus explicitly making sure that he fully understood what his opponent had in mind. Let me repeat that. If you're going to engage in a public dispute, before you could do that, you had to agree to this term that first, you must repeat your opponent's objection in, if I'm opposing someone, I have to repeat my opponent's objection in my own words, explicitly making sure that I fully understand what my opponent had in mind. And then this very simple concluding sentence, let us for a moment Imagine that that same rule were put into effect again nowadays. And I think it's an interesting thought experiment. And I'll leave it at that, but just maybe allow you to reflect on how often do you see that happening, let's just say in social media, where someone is opposed to someone else's position, but rather than go directly to the opposite, to think, to articulating why they're opposed to it, first they say, before I say why I disagree with this person, let me state in my own words what I think they're trying to say. And so I want to submit today, very simply, that perhaps this practice from what seems like a very long time ago may be a very important practice for us to consider taking up again this year. Thanks as always for being with me. Stay well, be in touch, and God bless. Mm -hmm.